You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning, church. It's so good. Good to be here with you today. My name is Matt Nickison. If you're visiting with us, welcome. If you're watching at home online, welcome. As Andy just told you, this is a special day because we are going to look back at 2023 and celebrate some things. We're going to look forward and celebrate some things as well. But before we get to all that, let me just kind of lay the foundation. So this past week, I was in Florida. I know, I know. I live a hard knock life. No, I, twice a year, I lead a group of other pastors on a spiritual retreat. It's good for me too, but I organize it to help grow them. And I, first of all, just thank you for being a church that lets me pour into other churches, two of whom are in Indiana, one's in Pennsylvania, they're, they're Steelers fans, and we pray for them. And, um, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, so uh, we were there, and as a part of our retreat, one of the things that I did is I said, all right, guys, uh, by the end of this week, we're just going to celebrate who God is. And so every day, we took out these yellow sticky notes, and I said, one celebration per sticky note, and uh, we just wrote out the first day, celebrate God, whatever that means for you. Just praise God, bless him. Then day two, it was like, celebrate God for your family, whatever that would mean for you, your wife, your kids, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, whoever. We're, we're not talking about prayer requests. We're not talking about frustrations or complaints. This is only praise. And day three is thank God for your church, your ministries, the work that you do for him. And we put them up on a wall and I took a picture of it and we just celebrated God's activity among us. Now that came out of a chapter in a book by my mentor, Alan Algram. And in his book, he talked about a study that was done. And in this study, they took three groups of people. Group number one was asked to write out every day five major challenges they're facing. That's it. Write them down every day. Write them down every day. Write them down every day. Group two was asked to write down every day five minor like harassments, issues, small problems they're facing. And group number three was asked every day to write down five things they're thankful for. They're celebrating five things. Now, not surprised at all, right? At the end of this time, they did another review of the group. And what they found is the group who every day celebrated what they're thankful for had better attitudes, were more positive, were more thankful, and were more generous with their time, their efforts, and their energy. Because if you spend all your time focusing on the problems and the challenges in front of you, you're going to have a very negative perspective about what God is doing in the world. But if you spend your time and your thought life thinking through what God is doing and has done, you're going to be more thankful even though there are challenges. Everybody here has a thing you're working on, right? If you don't, I have plenty to share with you. But we can either look at things and celebrate God or look at things and be frustrated by what God has not yet done, not yet done. One person came up to me after the last service and said, in Africa, we have a saying, and so some of my African brothers and sisters who've been coming to Kingsway, you may relate depending on which nation you're from and whether this was there. He said, if we're thankful, we'll be thankful. If we're thankful, we'll be thankful. And I was like, oh, that works. That, that works in English for sure, that works. The more I think about what God is doing, the more thankful I'm going to be. So before we celebrate, I want to read a passage to you. This is probably my favorite psalm. It's become so over the last few years, and I really do mean it. Psalm 34, I've preached this text many times, but Psalm 34 says this in the very beginning, I will extol the Lord at all times. Now there's a word we don't ever use in everyday life, right? But to extol something means to bless it. So I will bless the Lord at all times. 
You mean not just when things are good? No, 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 all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. So in other words, those who are going through a hard time, who have hard challenges, who could have filled out more than five per day, when they hear us celebrate what God is doing in our midst, they will actually rejoice because they will see the hand and the activity of God in the midst of the challenge. Verse three, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So now let us glorify the Lord together. I'm just gonna celebrate a few of these. Uh, at the end of the service, we'll tell you how to find out more of these. What we did is we just looked back year over year and said, what did God do in our midst? And we collected a bunch of that and we put it on a place on our webpage. You can go find out more data. I'm just gonna take five or so of these and celebrate them with you. You ready to party? Let's party. All right, here we go. So when you look at Kingsway's attendance, 2023 compared to 2022, what we saw is there was a 7% increase in attendance year over year. Let's just stop and give God the glory. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. The reason that's important is because of that number. What we saw last year was 60 people gave their lives to Christ and were united with him in baptism. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's just here at Kingsway. Now, so you imagine you kind of start here, lots of people showing up, all right, we're connecting them to Jesus. Not only that, are we connecting them to the life of the church? So we do something here at Kingsway called Starting Point. I don't know if you know what Starting Point is. It's, uh, it's basically our membership class, but it tells you who we are, what we believe about God, what we're trying to do in the world. And when you compare 2023 to 2022, we had a 96% increase in Starting Point last year. Isn't that pretty awesome? Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, in addition to that, as a part of our church, we have this vision to impact not just uh, the corner of 10th of Dan Jones, but really all of Indiana and even to the ends of the earth. That's part of the reason I lead those group, those guys on the, on the retreat last week, is we want to try to do everything we can to, to pour into people's lives all to the ends of the earth. And uh, so I know it was just a few years ago with COVID, like, ooh, he said the C word, but Mufasa, say it again. Okay, so... Most of us forget how long ago COVID really was. Like it was only a few years ago. And when it happened, it blew up everything everybody had planned, including our mission trips. And it was the hardest thing to get back online because it took so long to partner with governments from around the world, as well as our own backyard to put together things. And so what we did is we've said, okay, every year we're just gonna keep building on it, building on it, building on it, building on it, building on it. And what we saw was our global engagement increased by 50 7% last year. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, what I know so far is we have a trip going to Ireland and it's too late to sign up for that one because they leave soon. But we have a trip coming up for Mexico and Peru. It's not too late. You can go on our app. You can reach out, get some information. And in addition to that, they are working on maybe a trip to India with our partners in India. These are not vacations. These are working vacations, if you will. These are an opportunity to serve God in another place. I used to feel guilty for promoting these. Here's why. I felt guilty because some of you get two weeks of vacation, and in order to go on these trips, you have to take one of those weeks. And I'd feel guilty because some of you work too much and you don't see your families enough, and it's like, and now I'm gonna give you another opportunity not to see your family and to go. I don't feel guilty anymore. And here's why. I've never had a person go on one of these global trips or even go downtown and serve at Indy, like uh, at Wheeler or something, never had anybody come back and say, that was a waste of my time. I've never had anybody come back and say, I wish I hadn't done that. 
I've had people have to make significant sacrifices to pull these off. And every time they come back and tell me they were more blessed to give than to receive. Amazing. You'd almost think that would be in the Bible somewhere, right? Yeah. So listen, as you're hearing this, maybe, maybe God is prompting you. Maybe he's stirring in you. Maybe it's something he wants you to do. I don't know. I'm hopeful that's true with all of this. Maybe you've been thinking about baptism. You've never done it. Maybe you think about starting point. You've never done it. Well, let me throw out one more to you. So this is super cool, but I don't know how to paint the picture. So Father, help me, okay? So there's something that is a worldwide experience. Some Christian leaders from some different nations even got together and realized the church, Big C, needed a curriculum that would help paint the picture for who God is and what he's doing in the world. And what came out of that was a book, a resource, and really kind of a ministry called Rooted. Now, this is partly from their website, partly from us massaging it, but the Rooted Experience is an 11-week small group opportunity that inspires questions, conversations, and experiences designed to connect people to God, his church, and their purpose. Kingsway people are finding it an excellent way to meet and connect with others. As a result of Rooted, we have seen 110 people participate over the last year. Now, that may not seem like much to you, but as a result of Rooted, some people are confessing sin they've never confessed to anybody and they're repenting and turning away from it. Some people are stepping into serving. Some people, generosity. And everybody, as a part of it, ends up being able to share their testimony about who God is and what he's doing in the world. We just released a short Rooted video on our Facebook page. You can go watch it if you want. Just a few people who went through it and what their story was. It is crazy how Rooted is impacting churches all across the world. So if you want to be a part of a worldwide movement, I recommend you look into Rooted to get signed up and really find out who God is and what he's doing in you and in you here at Kingsway. So with all that, can we just stop and celebrate before we look forward to 2024 for a second? Yeah. Now in 2024, we're going to keep doing a lot of the great things that we do, but I just want to highlight a few of them and then we're going to pray over them. Okay. So the first thing is, and I don't want you to miss this because it's no small thing. We're going to continue to proclaim the great name of Jesus. And in case you're like, okay, well, I expect your church to say that. You don't understand. That's everything. That is literally everything. Everything we do is that right there. Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Now, the word men there or mankind, we don't use it much in America today because we see it as like some like bad word. It's not a bad word. He doesn't mean only men will he draw to himself. He means I will draw all men, women, and children to myself of every age and education and nationality and language and background. So our job as a church, our number one job, but we could, everything else we do is because of this, it's to lift up Jesus over and over and over again and celebrate Jesus. Yeah, you can clap for Jesus all day long. And there's lots of ways that we do that. We're gonna keep doing that on Sundays. We're gonna do that throughout the week. And then we're gonna do that in some unique ways too. Like, we're gonna continue to lift up the name of Jesus by doing those three trips to Peru, to Northern Ireland, to Mexico. Again, maybe God's asking you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're going to keep doing that by this summer. We're going to have things for our high school students, our middle school students, and our elementary school students. I don't even have time to celebrate all of them, but one of them is we're going to take our high schoolers to CIY. If you've never been to CIY, high schoolers, if you've never been to CIY, or if you, you're, 
maybe you took a year off because last year they went to the beach. It's time to go. It is a life-changing experience. Here's the thing. So uh, what we do every Sunday is we lift up the name of Jesus. Our high schoolers are connecting with each other. They're building relationships, and they're kind of growing in their knowledge of faith. But CIY is like nitro in the engine. So what's going to happen is when they go to that event, it's going to be like fast-forwarding the process. They get to leave their friend behind and on all the junk and stress and anxieties of life behind and get away with a bunch of other teenagers who are pursuing Jesus. And we see come out of that. People get their lives of Christ, people will turn away from sin, some people get called into ministry, you do not want to miss CIY if you have the opportunity to go. Parents, make sure you get your kids there. Same thing for middle school camp. Middle school camp, middle school is such a unique age, isn't it? I mean, if you have middle schoolers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've got two and a half of them. One is on his way. I understand Man, they're awesome. Man, I, if, I could, if I could make a living being middle school pastor again, it'd be tempting. Okay, that was a little funny. Sorry, Darren. No, but seriously, I loved being a middle school pastor. I loved it because it's such a transitional stage. Kids are moving from elementary school where they're concrete thinkers to high school where they're full-blown abstract thinkers and middle school is that middle age between it. And the reason that's important is because they're starting to realize the world is bigger than them. They're starting to realize that, that, that their stuff shouldn't just be their stuff that their lives aren't just their own, that the things they say and do actually impact others. And as that starts to awaken in them, things like middle school camp are critical to planting those seeds that later will be brought into full fruition. Many of you who grew up in some kind of camp or church camp environment, you know when those things are good, they're very good, and they're memories that you hold, they're friendships that will last for the rest of your life. And then this summer, we're going to partner again with something called Spring Hill Day Camps for our kids. And uh, this is going to be an amazing opportunity for us as a church to have opportunities, but also for you to invite your friends, your neighbors, those in you work with or whatever it is to come and check it out. And it'll be a fun, engaging environment for the kids, but also a chance to present the gospel. Now, in addition to that, I told you last week, so it's just in case you weren't there, we are launching this space, this partnership with DCS. We're already beginning that work to, to work. We've cleared all the legalities. So we're starting the work of renovation to get those rooms ready. Somebody came up to me after last service and said, can you help me understand it? Here's the best that I could do in a very short amount of space. We are taking two rooms in our building that are right near our indoor play area. If you know where the indoor play area is, we're gonna renovate those rooms. I'm not an expert in everything that's gonna happen in those rooms, but in the one room, there's gonna be some beds for kids to sleep in, bathroom, shower kind of scenario so kids can be clean, and there'll be a place for the DCS worker to work with them. And the other room will be like a family meeting space so that if a family's life falls apart and those kids need to be pulled out of their home, currently they sleep on the floor in the DCS office space. We're providing a space so that they can come in and use our building and stay overnight until they're placed into a foster home situation. And then when the parents need to meet with the DCS worker and the kids for arranged visits, we have a room that they can meet in and also a playroom that if they need to distract little kids, they could go in there and play as well. And no church in the nation that I know of is doing anything like this. And that's what excites me is we might be able to coach this up in other churches all across the United States. Yeah. And that same person who came up to me and asked me about it, um, the, the wife and the husband were standing there and uh, the wife said, I think God's putting something in my heart to see how we can help with that. And the husband's like, oh, he is. Um, <laughs> And I said, well, you two need to seek the Lord together and get on the same page. 
But I do believe that's part of what God's gonna do in this. So people who have a heart for this, God's gonna raise us up in ways that we can't even yet see to find out how we could partner to really make a difference in those who are hurting the most in our community. And this leads to the last one, and that's with this partnership with Pathways Learning Academy. The work has already begun. Some of you have been displaced, I know, and I'm sorry. It's just that this is a really important work. The daycares and academies like this in our community, they are 98% capacity. And we wanna have a place where families, whether they know Jesus or don't, can come and have their kids loved on during the week and we'll come in and we'll teach them about Jesus and we'll build bridges. And I can't wait for one year from now to tell story after story after story of all God did in our midst. Amen? Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse 11 and 12, Paul says this. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, in you and him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every deed prompted by faith. Here's what I wanna pray right now. I wanna pray that God would bless every deed prompted by faith from us for him. And then we're gonna sing and celebrate the goodness of God. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand? I'll pray and then we'll sing. My father, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Father, would you bless every good deed that we have intended for you to lift up the name of Jesus, whether it's trips to Peru or Ireland or Mexico or India, or God, whether it's partnerships with other churches and CIY middle school camp and Spring Hill, whether it's just lifting up Jesus every Sunday like we do, whether it's in our homes and neighborhoods or sports teams, our workplaces, in every way that we desire to do good deeds for you, would you bless the work of our hands and receive the praise that you are worthy of? We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.
You can be seated. You can be seated. That was just the intro to my sermon. Now we have another hour to go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to start a sermon, though, isn't it? So for those of you visiting with us, we've been working our way through the book of Luke. And um, I don't want to rush this book. I just want to drink in the life of Jesus. And today we're going to get to a very short text, but it's going to be so relevant. So in Luke chapter 10, we find this, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha 
opened her home to him. So for those of you who don't know your Bible super well, this is Martha, who is the sister of Lazarus and Mary. So if you didn't know that, they're Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We'll see them a lot in the scriptures. They become good friends with Jesus. It's believed probably Martha either married into or inherited or became wealthy, or perhaps she's the oldest sister. There's a lot of things we think maybe are possible, but it's often her home that we see people gathered in, which tells us something because most women in that day didn't own businesses or whatever. They were usually getting what they got from a husband or, or something like that. And so since they're brothers and sisters, somehow we think she's independently wealthy in some way or another. And they're gathered in Martha's home. So Jesus is coming along with his disciples, however many that is. Remember, we just saw 70 or 72 of them. We don't know exactly how many that is, but they're now gathering in the home. And if you look at verse 39, she and her sister Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now, hang on for a second. How many of you have a sibling that at every gathering would be more like Mary and you're more like Martha? Let me see your hands. You're the one doing all the work, preparing everything, and they're sitting down doing nothing. Now, how many of those people are in this room right now and saw you raise your hand? And how many of you don't care? In fact, you just texted him and said, he's talking about you. This is such a great story in light of everything we just talked about. But there's this tension between Martha and Mary, right? Martha's got everybody over her house. So you know this, right? Some of you, when it comes time to have everybody over, everything has to be just right, right? All the doilies have to be out. Do people use doilies anymore? I don't know. <laughs> everything has to be cleaned and put away. You bring out the best of the best. You have the best meals. Everything's decorated. Everything looks perfect. All the things are in order because that's right next to godliness, right? What is right next to godliness? Cleanliness, only the people who do know, right? The rest of you are like, I don't know, holiness? Jesus, what is the answer? <laughs> but some of you know because you are Marthas. Now, there might be men who are Marthas. It's not just women, even though we're using a female example. And I love this. I love this text because it's one of those texts that really celebrates the leadership and the impact of women. And you women do not always get the credit you deserve. <laughs> right? I think that's all the women just clap for themselves. Well done. <laughs> All the men, you should have. That was your chance. You had a chance. You missed it. It's going to be a long afternoon cleaning from. Anyway. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him as Jesus, and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You hear the frustration in her voice, don't you? I mean, I get it. I really, I do get it. Although I would probably be more likely to be Mary, I get it. I absolutely get it. And my wife said to me once, she said, you know, when we go on family vacations, I realize for you and the boys, this is amazing. She said, but you do realize we go on family vacations, pretty much I'm doing the same thing I do at home. I'm just doing it somewhere else, which makes it more stressful, which honestly led to us having a great conversation. Like, what does it look like to try to give my wife a break and rest and restore as well? That's why, honestly, guys, it started, I don't know, five or 10 years ago, once a year, I tried my, we tried to schedule something where my wife gets away for a week. Like she gets to go to Florida and hang out with her friend, Patty Beavers, or whatever it is, like get out of here. And so husbands, I'm saying this publicly so that when you go home, your wife could say, and when do I get my week? And you gotta figure that out, right? <laughs> Send her to Mexico or Peru, it'll be great. <laughs> Nobody's ever come back and regretted it. <laughs> But this is a hard thing, right? 
What Martha's doing is a God thing, a godly thing. We are literally told in the scriptures that elders have to be hospitable. It's where the word hospital comes from. That means that they are able to care for, take in guests into their home, love them, care for them, serve them. Like, if that's the highest call of leadership of the church, then the theory is that means everybody in the church should be practicing it, and they're modeling it. And so this is not a bad thing. What Martha's doing is a good thing. But Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. What we're really starting to find out It's not that the spiritual activity that Martha's doing to provide a meal and to care for everybody else visiting is a bad thing. It's that the heart behind it is confused. And it's a phenomenal reminder to all of us, be careful. Be careful because it's easy to confuse spiritual activity for true connection. It's not an accident that I picked this Sunday to be the Sunday that we do our vision Sunday. Because be careful. Yes, we're going to launch a DCS space. Yes, we're going to launch pathways. We're going to have all these camps and retreats and mission trips and activity. And by the way, many Sundays, I'm going to call and say, I need you. I need you to jump into kids' ministry. I need you. I need you to plug in and go on these trips. I need you. I need you to generously support and, and, and plug in. I need you. Come on, church. This is just me. This is us. I'm going to say that. But it always, 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 always comes from a connection to Jesus. And there is a huge difference between serving out of a connection to Jesus and serving for a connection to Jesus. Let me just see if I can make that point clearer for you. So I remember when I was a young man, I've I've told this story before many times. So if you've been here for a long time, I apologize. The older I get, the more I repeat myself. So some of you know, right? The older you get, the more you repeat yourself. Because as you get older... So I worked at a restaurant as a, as a teenager at a place called Rockney's Pub. It's like an Applebee's or a Friday's. And I was a busboy. And um, I remember this one night, management said, hey, guys, it's a slow night. It's a dead night. I think it was a great weather out. We're going to close early. There's one table left when they leave. Just go ahead and finish up, and we'll pay you as if you finished your whole shift. And I'm like, money. That's sweet. So I did all my stuff. I had everything done except for there's one table that won't leave. So I grabbed a broom and a dustpan, and I start cleaning the floor. We had paid people to clean the floor at the end of the night. I didn't have to do this. It was a sign. If somebody ever starts to sweep next to you in a restaurant, just assume they're trying to get you to leave. And I'm trying to, to give them a hint, like, come on. And I'm listening, and they're talking to their waiter, Andy. And, and the gentleman who's having this conversation with this other guy, he starts to talk to Andy about spiritual things. Well, I've had a number of spiritual conversations with Andy, so now I'm eavesdropping while I'm cleaning up the french fries on the ground. And I'm listening to him. And then when he leaves, I decide to go over and make myself known. I was like, hey, man, I heard you having this conversation with Andy. That's super cool. I haven't done that many times. And uh, the guy looks at me and says, oh, are, are you a Christian? And I looked at him and I said, yeah, I go to church like almost every Sunday. My dad is an elder there. He said, I didn't ask you if your dad was an elder or how often you go to church. I said, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And I said something like, yeah, I serve in our day nursery like every single Sunday. I've done that since I was 11 years old. He said, that's great. Thanks for telling me. He said, but I didn't ask you what you did for the Lord. I asked you, is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? 
Now, this is the second time I've asked you, and you've not yet answered the question, but you're telling me everything you do for Jesus. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Do you know Jesus? And I said, sir, I'm going off to Bible college this fall. And he said, I don't care. And he said, son, I suggest you go away and have a conversation with Jesus. Because on the last day, you aren't gonna stand before him and tell Jesus about all these great things you did for him. On the last day, he's simply gonna ask you one question. Did you know me? There's a reason why in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Anybody who remains in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you could do nothing. And then he takes the analogy even further and he says, do you know what we do with branches that get separated from the vine? They're worthless. They dry out, they're dead. We gather them together and we burn them in the fire. Now, I used to think Jesus was pointing to hell in that text. I don't think so anymore, but I don't know that it matters. If I'm wrong, either way, it's irrelevant. What I think he's trying to say is, if you disconnect from me, you'll disconnect from your lifeblood, you'll die. And you know what things that die are? They're worthless. Last, yesterday, last yesterday, not the yesterday before, last yesterday, I was, uh, it was a decent enough weather and I was finally in town. And um, so I said, boys, we're gonna go take down the Christmas lights. And so we went out to take down the Christmas lights and some of these lights were wrapped up in the trees and the boys as they're kind of yanking them, trying to get them down, these dead branches are just falling down. They're like all over the front yard and you're like dodging, right? Trying to stay alive. And um, the boys are like, well, what do I do with these? And my one son, he gets an idea. He's like, ooh, we can do a fire in the backyard because he understands this branch is now disconnected from life. All it's good now, all it's good for now is kindling. If you're not careful, that could be us. It could be you. We don't serve to be saved. We serve because we're saved. We don't lift up the name of Jesus so that when we stand before him, we can proclaim all these great things we've done. We lift up the name of Jesus because there was no one on earth worthy of our praise. So we gather together not to check a box and go, all right, if I do more Sundays than not, God's on my side. No, we show up because he alone is worthy of our praise. This is why Jesus goes on, he says, but few things are needed or indeed, really only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What do you mean Mary chose what is better? She chose to sit at Jesus' feet and just drink in the life of the teaching of Jesus. But who's gonna make dinner? Don't get me wrong, dinner had to be made. I have a sneaky suspicion Mary was rationalizing. Remember we just saw, I just saw him make a meal for 5,000 people out of sufficient loaves. I think the food's gonna be okay. But she's hearing what he's saying and she's getting it. She's getting this, one thing is needed, just one thing, Jesus first. Jesus first. If this is it, Jesus came back before the service is over. We all go stand before the Father. Jesus is our final judge, so he's there. And he says, did you put me first? 
what would be your answer? And if that question makes you uncomfortable, instead of beating yourself up and feeling guilty, just do something about it. Did you hear the love of Jesus talking to Martha? He didn't say, Martha, this is your problem. You never get this right. When are you gonna finally get it together? No, 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 he said, Martha, Martha. Few things are needed, really only one. Come be with me. Come be with me. Do you hear the tenderness in his voice? That's the tenderness I want you to hear in your father. Just come be with me. Come be with me. I gotta tell you one last story, and um, I gotta go quickly. But I am gonna read it to you, okay? There's three gospel, or sorry, there's three gospel books. And there's no math in Bible college, so. There's four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell us the life and ministry of Jesus, and they overlap in different places, and you get some more detail. So what we find in John chapter 12 is this, verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Remember, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, brothers and sisters, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, surprise, surprise, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Martha's running around doing her thing. Lazarus' big brother's hanging out at the table. Where's Mary? Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. In just a moment, in the rest of the story, we're going to see this is a very, very expensive uh, perfume. Spike nard, or nard, comes from the Himalayan mountains. Would not have been easy to get or easy access back in the day. Not at all cheap. And she comes up and just dumps it on his feet. Why? Because she was sitting at those same feet back in Luke chapter 10. See, in Luke chapter 9, I think, I'm pretty sure, is when Jesus started talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And when he's saying it, the disciples will get it. In fact, I think it's three times in Luke 9, he brings it up. The Son of Man's gonna be betrayed. The Son of Man's gonna this. The Son of Man's gonna be lifted up. He's gonna be crucified. They don't get it. You know why they don't get it? Because they had an image of who God was gonna be and what God wanted to do in the world. And the disciples are too busy fighting with each other. Oh, when I get, when you come into your kingdom, can I be on your right? Can I be on your left? Can I be in power? Not Mary. Mary's sitting at his feet. She's the only one dialed into what she's saying and her heart is breaking. She's realizing the impact of what's happening. So he comes over to the house and she just begins to pour over her praise and her blessing. She's just lavishing it on his feet and weeping and just bathing him in praise, realizing what's coming. He's six days out. Six days for Passover. Passover is when he's crucified. Six days out, she may not get all the stuff. She doesn't understand the details, but she knows it's nigh. She knows it's near. And what we see from this is Jesus is worthy of our sacrifice and our praise. But all the activity, all that stuff, it came out of connection, not the other way around. She got who Jesus was and what he's doing in the world because she was with him, connected to him. Verse four, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, okay, every time I say Judas Iscariot, you should just always go, yes, boo would work, boo is fine. 
Okay. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, all right, for the 20 people paying attention, I'll give you one more chance, all right. Who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. The actual Greek says about 300 denarii. 300 denarii. Denarii is the days worth of wages. So that's where we get about a year's worth of wages. Again, there's no way to know exactly what that would have cost Mary. But if we just put it in context of Avon, the average household income in Avon is roughly eighty-five dollars or $86,000 a year. So let's just, just drop that into the story and say this cost her about $86,000 today. And she poured it on his feet. Wow. But all of that just came from her realizing, I don't understand what's happening, but you keep saying you're gonna die. This was probably her own burial perfumes that she'd been accumulating her entire life. Didn't matter. What's my life compared to his? Judas Iscariot, thank you, you're getting there, did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Verse seven, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have Service to Jesus, sacrifice for Jesus, generosity on behalf of Jesus, all of that comes out of first connecting with Jesus. She's the only person that we know of who got it. Oh, by the way, it was a woman. Shouldn't surprise us. Way better listeners than most of us men. But she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, tuning into everything he was saying, took her marching orders and just decided to bless the Lord. That's my call for you in 2024. All the camps and retreats and services and activities and ministries and all the things that we can do, all the way, guys, it has to come out of connection to him first, first. Everything else is because we love him, because he saved us, because he rescued us, because he redeemed us, because he restored us, because he's so worthy of our praise. We do these things. Do not mix up the order or you will become dead and withered. So would you just do this with me? Would you stand? We're gonna sing a song that's become one of my favorites, the song Make Room. And while we're singing this song, I'm gonna ask the Lord to prompt you, to prompt you. And as he's prompting you to do something, this is the moment when that couple last service, the wife said, I think God's calling us to do something with this. So here's our prayer. I'm gonna pray this, but Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Heavenly Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our homes, in our work, in our schools, 
with our kids and our parents, with our friends, and oh, dear Lord, with our enemies. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. In Jesus' name.